In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Cleveland. It's certainly an exciting place to be in Cleveland at the moment. And I'm here with <coughs> Ian. Right, right, right. I've got a bit of a cold there. Jesus. I was going to say, I got introduced with a cough this time. So yeah, I just want to shout out to uh, my mate, Michael Simon, for commenting on my beef wellington. And I'm sorry to everyone who I let down with that poor pastry. Don't worry. He, he told you how to do it. You just got to put some slits in your pastry and then use butter as an egg wash and you'll be all right. Simple as that, mate. Simple as that. Truth of the matter was, and this is behind the scenes, is that I was more interested about going live. The Dorsey got let go on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter live. I actually forgot about the Beef Wellington a little bit. So uh, there we go. But, mate, it's been kicking off in Cleveland. People's money's on Josh McDaniels at the moment. How's it looking for you? You know, it's wild. The The center of the universe is back on the Browns coaching staff. So who's it going to be? Who are they going to bring? You know, this is the first time we've talked since uh, Haslam had his press conference where he said Elliot Wolf uh, is out of the running as the GM is going to come from, quote unquote, outside of the building. So the natural connection of McCarthy Wolf. Um, what's odd is Josh McDaniels is actually the leader in the clubhouse from a Vegas betting standpoint for both the Cowboys and the Browns. So that's kind of unique in there. Um, but then Stephen Jones from the Cowboys came out and said that if it was, if they felt that this thing they're doing with uh, Jason Garrett and dragging it along in meetings was keeping them from getting their next coach, they wouldn't do it. So that leads you to believe that they have somebody in mind maybe. Um, so we should probably hear something with that. I would think within the next 24 to 48 hours, but who knows it's Dallas. So. The name Lincoln Riley's popping up there. Urban Meyer's popping up there. Mike McCarthy's name is now linked to the Giants. So a lot of moving and shaking. Yeah, there's currently, what, four vacancies in the NFL at the moment? Uh, you have Carolina, the Giants, the Browns. Um, what's the one I'm missing? Panthers. Carolina's the first one, yeah. Sorry, yeah, Panthers, there's... Dallas, Cleveland. See, Dallas isn't even officially Giants. open yet. Oh. Because, like they're saying, oh, he's still under contract, but we haven't fired him. So, uh, it's Jerry Jones. Who knows with him anymore? But I know the McCarthy interview with the Giants today, um, for some reason, there was a lot of talk out in New York yesterday that he was going to be their guy. Um, so, a lot's going on. But the Browns are obviously the most interesting thing, team to talk about because, well, hell, they do it every single year. So, the national media can just change the names and repost the same damn stories. And uh... – what about Eric? Eric, the enemy, be enemy. That's how you say it. The former that. running back from Colorado. Um, Andy Reid has kind of really touted him as the next big thing. Um, was a hell of a running back. Really physical, strong, tough guy when he played. Actually, not too far off from like when the Alonzo Highsmith uh, played, not long after him. But the enemy is well known. He was a running back coach. He's eerily similar to Freddie, though. Former running backs coach. Comes to Kansas City, doesn't really do the play calling. I mean, he's, they quote-unquote say he knows how to command a locker room, 
But from a coaching standpoint of the smartest guy in the room, not so much. He still has a lot to learn. So Andy Reid actually uh, challenged him at the beginning of the year, allegedly, to really work on his passing game. So if the Browns did, in fact, go with Biennemi, which I don't think they are, they would really need to get somebody that's strong in the passing game. And talking about passing game, Baker, Freddie, there's some reports coming out that it's been a bit of shambles this season. Yeah, um, Lane Adkins from the OBR had kind of put out a few things, and obviously I won't ruin all the content because that's a paid subscriber. So, yeah, there was a lot going on. Uh, it seems like a lot of dysfunction, which Dorsey tried to manage at the beginning of the year. Um, Freddie was really kind of getting his feet wet for the first few months uh, through OTAs and stuff like that. A couple of the guys noticed that it was a little bit discombobulated. You know, coming into the season, there was some – you know, the play, the play designs and the offensive schemes that they were really imploring, they kind of got away from. So you had a little bit of a rift, allegedly, between Munkin and Baker and Freddie. And then Ryan Lindley's on the Freddie side. So, yeah, once all this stuff coming, starts coming out, and we kind of knew it would, uh, we kind of figured that it wouldn't look all that good. And like I was telling you and Jack, if half that stuff is true, it's probably best that they just pull the plug on this and move on because – that would be a pretty big hill to overcome. And, you know, given that one or two year window we talk about regarding the Browns win now, trying to overcome that in the next year, I'd rather just see them kind of maybe, you know, wipe the slate clean and just start from scratch, which is what they're doing. Where do you think Dorsey fitted into this uh, potential uh, mismatch? Well, and that's the interesting thing. And, you know, as Jack and I were talking about with, say, someone like Joe Schobert. You know, Joe Schobert's agent had expected to receive an offer from the Browns by midseason. It never came. So the question is, was that a call by analytics? And this is the pieces that I'm, I haven't put together yet is, is Depot the one that would go to Dorsey and say, hey, I don't see him as being a $12.5 million linebacker. We don't want to offer him that. And then Chris Cooper, who is the person that Haslam mentioned several times yesterday, is the quote-unquote contract guy. So what was the involvement? You know, Haslam basically called out John Dorsey for having control over the game day roster by saying that the next head coach will call the 46 plus emergency quarterback. So you could tell there was a little bit of dysfunction that Dorsey maybe wasn't too fond of Najoku, wasn't too fond of Hollywood Higgins. You know, there was a couple things going on there. So it really leads you to believe is, you know, what was Dorsey doing and how did he lose the trust of the Haslam's so quickly? In a dressing room, there's sides and people prefer to listen to certain people and Baker being close to Riley. Yeah, it all makes sense. Well, here's the thing about the NFL. You need an ego, but you can't have too much of an ego. It's kind of like salt. You know, too much salt on something ruins the taste, not enough salt, and people notice. A lot like with ego, anybody that's in the NFL has an ego. Any coach that's in the NFL has an ego. So the question becomes, how do you manage that ego? So, for example, Freddie's my way or the highway approach. Freddie told you point blank at the beginning, I'm going to do this my way. He did it his way. And I got him fired. So you have to draw that line with ego where I can lead men that have egos and ultimately not cause a locker room commotion, which is kind of what happened. Because when we look at that Steelers game, Cardinals game, and towards the end of the season, it kind of was very apparent what the team thought of the direction that they were going. Yeah, gotcha. And um, 
what's your view on the potential new setup with Podesta and a new GM? You up, you up for it? You know, if it works, we're all going to think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, we've done this before. The, uh, the Eric Mangini, uh, George Kokinas setup was Mangini ran the show. He brought in Kokinas. Now, there was some other things that went about. This was a little bit before your time, but we had a Browns GM that got in a little bit of trouble outside of the facility, ended up leading to him being removed as GM. But ultimately, we had this setup. It didn't really work because me and Jeannie was a little bit too much of a uh, strong personality, even though Joe Thomas will tell you now a lot of the stuff that me and Jeannie did he likes now, but at the time he didn't. Um, it, it could work as long as everybody is on the same page. You need to have the alignment, and that's the buzzword of the day, between the GM and the head coach. And all that means is they have to be accountable, accountable to each other. So as the GM, I need to take ownership in what is ultimately responsible for my side, and the head coach has to do the same. But at the end of the day, we're accountable to each other. So that's kind of the symmetry they're looking for that they haven't had. And, you know, Joe Banner actually made a pretty good point on Twitter where he was basically saying there has not been a setup where you have three people independently all reporting up to the owner and they had it work. And that would be the head coach, the GM, and Paul D. Podesta. All three of them are going to have different poll with the owner. So if Haslam's going to make this work, He's really going to have to manage that ship. He's going to have to be a leader in his own right and make sure that everything stays within the quote-unquote deep Podesta guardrails. Because if not, like I said, we're very close to having a decade, for, uh, decade full of useless football in Cleveland. And who's your name for head coach of today? Friday, who are you going with? You know, what's kind of odd is I feel like all the stars are starting to align towards Kevin Stefanski. We've started hearing a lot about all his offensive schemes and how well he utilizes the run and how he's basically a younger version of Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, they talk about Mike McDaniel. They talk about Mike LaFleur, who would have very similar. So could you be looking at maybe bringing in Stefanski and then one of those guys is like an offensive coordinator? There's a lot of options. But right now, I would just – I'm starting to think that the wins are starting to lead us towards – that Barry Stefanski, De Podesta um, setup. And while I think Josh, Dan uh, Josh McDaniels has a viable shot, I'm not sure how that works with De Podesta, but I do like the fact that they're moving quick. I mean, they are, they're no, they are moving and shaking. Multiple interviews a day, getting on to the next one. De Podesta seems like he's running the show efficiently. So, you know, but at the end of the day, I see the tides kind of turning towards the Stefanski-Barry combination. Hmm, interesting. Because the bookie favorites are McDaniels and McCarthy joint at the moment. Yeah. And it says, you know, and then, but you got Bienemy coming in tonight. I know Adam Schefter reported that Bienemy is meeting with the Browns tonight and the Giants on Saturday. So that's the second coach, McCarthy being the first, that met with the Browns on day one and then went right out to New York and met with the Giants on day two. So it seems like the Giants and the Browns are kind of swimming in the same pool. Hmm. We'll change it a bit from the uh, infrastructure at the moment. Some good news is that Joel Bertonio making the all-pro team for the second straight year. Yeah, he's second, te uh, second team all-pro, which is great for Joel. Hopefully he has a little escalator in his contract that uh, will kick him a little bit of extra money. Do you think it will? 
I would think that somebody of his stature has that in his contract, yes. But the name I didn't see on there was Kevin Seitler, Jack. What, what happened to Kevin Seitler? Why wasn't he on there? Oh, that was a baby. Jabril Peppers, where were you, buddy? Yeah. Of course, I don't uh, on there either, so whoops. I don't think he deserves to be a pro bowler this year, your view. And he's like an alternate, which I'm sure it means he'll get out there and with him at, right there's no doubt the guy's talented. But here's the thing if Landry and Odell have these injuries, both of them better not be in that damn Pro Bowl. Like as much as it's great to say, hey, look, there's a Browns player on TV. Go get your rehab done. I, I'm more worried about you being ready for next year than I am you in a glorified game in Orlando. Well, next week, I'm back in America, Las Vegas, the Consumer Electronics Show. Drake is playing on Friday night, and I wonder if Odell Beckham will be there. If there's one person that Odell could be hanging out with, it's definitely Drake. So the possibility is there. Excellent. Ian, anything else you want to cover this Friday, the 3rd of January? You know, as of right now, you know, the Browns continue to be the talk um, of the NFL. And I will say an interesting conversation. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this one is the amount of people now that have kind of soured on Baker Mayfield. You know, the whole thing now with, well, is Baker really the guy? Is the next head coach going to want to work with Baker and try to make him better. And I just find that very ironic. We have a guy that set the rookie passing touchdown record last year, still ended with 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions, and just shy of 4,000 yards. And that's what we call the bad season. And I know guys like Orlovsky and them have come out and said, this guy is a franchise quarterback when he's not surrounded by dysfunction. And there's still a lot of people that are already starting to sell their stock on Baker Mayfield and are starting to look towards the 2021 draft, which I just find mind-boggling. Yeah, I must admit, I'm all in on Baker. Maybe now, after this report comes out, maybe he was encouraged to say a little bit too much. But otherwise, yeah, I'm a big fan and uh, I believe in his raw ability. And let's judge him after his fourth manager, if I'm correct. Yeah, it'll be unfortunately his fourth between Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, and now the new one. Yeah. So let's judge him after that. So... uh, I just – I don't know what people don't see. I mean, the guy's got talent. He's got an arm. I mean, in Cincinnati, the one interception he threw that he overthrew Beckham, that was an effortless 65-yard pass with the flick of a wrist. I mean, the guy's got arm talent. He's got the moxie, the intangibles you need. I just – I don't know what people saw that have made them instantly start uh, giving up. I mean, a lot of the interceptions were kind of fluky plays where Landry's fallen or it's off in hand. I mean, the Dontrell Hilliard won the one year or won the game where he turned around and basically handed it off. It's been a very interesting year for Baker. However, I have definitely not soured on him. I still think you're looking at a guy that has the potential to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I'm 100% in on him. I really back him. And uh, obviously, this season will be a, a big gauge. And then he's got his potentially fourth for the last season. You know, how crazy is that? We're only yeah, a year wild. away from that. But, um, yeah, let, let's see and uh, let's back him until he's not our quarterback. Yep, we can go from there. But the Vikings have put out a statement that Mike Zimmer's coming back. So it looks like Kevin Stefanski is, uh, is going to be available if the Browns want to go get him. So we'll watch that game this weekend and, you know, never know. He could be in shortly for an interview. Ian, last question for you. What is your playoff p- uh, path? What do you think it's going to be to the Super Bowl? You know, I still think Kansas City is the team that's going to come out of the uh, the AFC. I'm predicting a Kansas City-New Orleans Super Bowl. I think the Saints and the Chiefs 
uh, are the ones that are going to go. But I still, a lot of people are counting Tom Brady out this week. 